handout. But Sunday, July 21, 5 o'clock p.m. here at the church, I want to invite those of you that have a shepherd's heart to a, a meeting here. We're at a, a, a pivotal time in our church where certain needs are really coming to the surface. First and foremost is the great need for discipleship. Uh, beginning this fall, there's going to be a, a very significant, centered push for just the study of the Word of God here on Sunday mornings. Our classes uh, will be predominantly just the Bible, Bible study, discipleship classes. And I want to make an opportunity throughout our church for bastions of community. And I don't want it to be just home group or life groups, but I want to invite those that have a shepherd's heart, that have a passion for the Lord Jesus and care for people, that we might begin not a program, but an organic distribution of the life that God has given us into other people. I am refusing to create a system because systems rarely lead to life, but if life works, you'll eventually need systems to organize it. And I want to invite you to this meeting. So if you come, that doesn't mean you're going to have a home group, but it means that I have this care, I have this capacity, I have this desire and I'm going to gather a room full of shepherds together and we're going to pray together and we're going to seek the Lord and by fall maybe we can start a first set of organic opportunities for men and women to shepherd a group of 8 to 16 people. And, you know, you say, well, I couldn't put 16 in my house. Well, everybody ain't coming every time either. So you might, it might just fit there, but we want to provide a connectivity during the week. And you'll, I've found as a pastor that the people most connected to this church, most passionate about serving the Lord in this local church and most expressive in their faith have spiritual friends where they share life together. They pray for one another. They share burdens together. This design where if you get the pastor, you got the best one is flawed. I want the people that know me to pray for me. I want the people that know my children's name. I want the people that know about my life. And so I invite you to this dinner, July 21, 5 o'clock p.m. It'll be free for you and free food's always good. So if nothing else, you'll get a good meal. But pray with me about this because... It's a great need, but I don't want to create man's attempt to meet that need. I would rather have four groups of eight people where it's natural and it works than 20 groups called life groups where there ain't no life flowing in the group. You know what I mean? Okay, y'all are staring at me. Is this okay? All right. July, July 21, 5 o'clock. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 1. The same day Jesus went... The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and a great multitude were gathered around him so that he went into a ship and sat down and a whole multitude stood on the shore and he spoke many things, mark that in your Bible, many things unto them in parables, not just the ones recorded, but many things. And he said, behold, a sower went forth to sow and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up and some fell upon stony places 
where they had not much earth and they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. But when the sun came up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold and some thirtyfold. Who hath, e who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you, mark that in your Bible, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever has not from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Therefore I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, be converted and I would heal them. And here's my primary text. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. And blessed are your ears, for they hear. For I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them. And many prophets and righteous men have desired to hear the things which you hear and they've not heard them. Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And this is he which received seed by the wayside. And he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and straightway with joy receives it. But he did not have root in himself, but endureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he is thereby offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. The Bible says it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It's given to you. God has given you the opportunity and the capacity to understand the plan of God, the intentions of God, the revelation of God, the course of God, the ways of God, the character of God. It's given to you. It's available. And this word mysteries is not something dark or foreboding or difficult to understand, but it is in fact in New Testament times, the technical name for something which was unintelligible to an outsider, but crystal clear to someone that was on the inside. So when God says, I give you this mystery, it doesn't mean that it's this hard to understand thing. It means that if you were in, you would get it easy. A dog whistle is a mystery to a cat. But if you're a dog and that man's blowing the whistle, you'd be like, I'll give you $50 to stop blowing that thing because I, I hear it. I got it. And we look at the mysteries of the word of God as something difficult to understand or apprehend. But if we were in and close, it would make sense to us. Example, the Lord's Supper. 
When somebody walks in and sees that, they just see us breaking off a cracker or a piece of bread and drinking grape juice, and it means nothing. But to those of us that know that it represents the body and the blood of the Lord, we understand the mystery of the Lord's Supper, and we hold little oyster crackers. Tears pour down our face because it has been given unto us to understand that this represents the body of the Lord that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for our sins and communion is precious because I've been given the understanding of the mystery. Water baptism, when they visit and they see people coming out of the water and they go, what's all this fuss for? What's all this commotion? Because they don't know that that man that was 50 years old bound with every type of addiction, of horrible, sinful past has been born again and changed overnight, coming out of the kingdom of darkness, translated in the kingdom of God's dear son, and he's come alive. And this expression says, the old me that you knew died. And the new me that you now see is being made alive by faith of the son of God who gave himself for me. The mysteries, we understand them. And so the moments... The expressions have great power because it's been given unto us to understand the mysteries. This passage teaches us to be prepared. We're responsible for the condition of our heart because your heart is the single determining factor of what you receive from God because it's already given to you. It's one thing to have a hunger, but if you don't have capacity... You can say, oh, God, set a fire down in my soul. Set a fire down in my soul. And he said, there's too much mess in there. If there's no capacity to make room for the word of God with understanding that if God speaks it, he's the final authority, I will modify my life to receive. That's why some people bring forth 30-fold return on the thing that God speaks to them, some 60-fold and some 100-fold. Not 30, 60, 90, 30, 60, 100-fold. The issue for the person is not giftings or ability, it's capacity. How clean the soil is, how full of life the soil is, how much sun the soil gets, how much water of the Holy Spirit does the person get. You're you're to prepare your heart. See, the hard soil of the pathway is the indifferent hearer. A couple weeks ago, I had someone write me and um, they said, they were apologizing. They said, I was so distracted. I, I hope I didn't disrupt you and I, I didn't see it. But they said, the entire time you were preaching the word of God, people on my row were playing on their cell phones and Facebooking and laughing. And I want you to just hear me. I've been with you too long to dance around it. Listen, I am not important. Do you understand this? When you gather to hear the word of God, whether it's delivered from a scholar or a mule. That indifferent person says, it matters more what my little buddy's doing or my friend's doing and what time we're meeting at the lake. And you think your your life's going to bring glory to God? The word falls in song. The word falls in the preached word. The word falls from the hand of God. And the heart is so indifferent that the devil just swoops by, picks it up right off that hard surface, and there's no difference at all. No wonder there's no desire to be in God's house because nothing ever happens. But if you come to God's house with an open heart, 
you are going to be changed every time because you're not going to bump into God and not change. Don't tell me I can bump into you and you got bad cologne on and I carry you all day with me. (laughs) And guys, just one bit of advice. Less is more. That's all I'm saying. Less is more. We can bump into somebody and carry them all day and think we're going to bump into God and not carry him. And indifferent here. The stony places have little soul. That's the shallow here. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. They're expressive. There's just no earth. There's no roots that go down. Never letting their roots go down. And this is a sermon for another day. I'm just hitting this for introduction. Then there's the soil filled with thorns. That's the distracted here. That's the person that loves the Lord. They really do. But they got so much stuff. They come to church. They worship. They serve seasonally. Because we got other important stuff. And listen, I'm just going to hit it today. I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender. You can all get mad with me. It's okay. I'm just telling you. Well, you know, we, we do have ball and we do, we, we do have cheering and we do have our hobbies and we have to travel and we, I, I understand all that. I, I got that. The word says things, not sins, things come up, cares of this world, busyness and choke the life of God out of your life. I, pray, I praise the Lord for how I was raised. My daddy let us have fun. He wasn't one of those deep, stoic men that, you know, you can't do nothing, can't smile, can't have fun. I remember when they moved our football practice to Wednesday. And y'all remember our generation, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, sometimes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, Saturday, clean up that, you just did church. And they moved our football practice to, to Wednesday and daddy knew how much we loved it. And he just said, there's, there's always balance. There's all, and, there, and listen, there's seasons to go off with your family and vacation. I'm talking about priorities. So please don't misread what I'm saying. I take vacation. I like vacation. God gives us time away. But I'm talking about a centralized choosing. And daddy told the coach, he said, I'm going to let them come to practice. But I'm going to pull up at whatever time it was, 6.15, 6.20. I'm going to beat one time. And I've told my boys, if they're in the middle of a play when they hear the horn, can you imagine you're running your, your Z route? And you're going to catch the ball and you hear the horn and you're going back to the car. (laughs) And we would sit in church with our full pads on with our helmet beside us. My father let me know that it was okay to live and enjoy, but be careful that things don't choke out the work of God in your life. Hobbies, friends, people, things. He said... It's just right here. He said, I have things freely given to you, but some of you have no roots and others of you got so much stuff going on, stuff that you're losing the heavenly deposits that I'm giving you. And no preacher can tell you this is what you do and this is what you don't do. You work that out in your own heart and it is you that's determining whether your life yields a 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold return on the things that God has freely given you. And then there's good ground with healthy soil. That's the fruitful here. You're responsible for the cultivation of your soil. You're responsible for the maintenance of your soil. You're responsible for the use of your soil and the fruitfulness of your soul. God is responsible for the seed. You are responsible for the fruitfulness. God is responsible for the seed. You're responsible for the fruitfulness. Be prepared. Number two, be diligent. He answered and said unto them, verse 11, 
It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Mysteries of the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. God has given unto you the mystery of the nation of Israel and the church becoming one. And I just want to speak to this because there's a a great movement in this last day of the restoration of Israel and the recognizing of Israel as the people of God. And don't you be part of anything, anything that slanders or takes shots at or takes value away from Israel, okay? Just, just don't. Having said that, the issue is not to glorify Israel. Abram was a Gentile. Israel come from Abram. So here's the natural people of the kingdom. Here's the mystery. The national nation of the people of God. Then there's a spiritual nation being born outside of that group, the church. And God engrafts them both together so that there is neither, neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, And don't let people pull you into this, we're all Jews. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew. I'm a believer. So my Gentileness becomes nothing. And though there'll always be national Jews, it blends into the church. And that mystery, people chafe at that. They feel that the church is the epitome. There's no need for national Israel. And then there's people, Israel is the culmination. No, I'm not bound by the Sabbath. That was the national nation of Israel. Jesus is my Sabbath. That was a shadow, a type of the things to come. They set aside a day and they entered into rest, watch, and they ceased from their works. They didn't do anything. I entered into Jesus, my Sabbath. I ceased from all my works and I found rest. So don't let someone sway you into just one application of the mystery when it's been freely given to you of God. Because in the end, when we get home, after the millennial reign of Christ and the age of ages begin, there's not gonna be no talk of United States. There's not gonna be talk of Gentiles. It's the church. The church that was pulled from his side like Eve was pulled from Adam's side. Another mystery. Christ and the church. Husband and wife. That's a mystery. The way that works, that's like Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. So the church under that love is submitted wholeheartedly unto Jesus. All these mysteries are given to you. And when you take the mysteries of the word of God and the teachings of the word of God and they become paramount in your life and you receive them and your behavior changes because of what you know, your life becomes fruitful. The mystery of the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15 said, Beloved, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we're all going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump. For the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we, which are alive and remain, are caught up together within the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. These are mysteries. They've been given unto you. How much time do you commit to the study of the word of God so that you might understand God's history past, God's present, and God's future plan for us? How you respond to God's word. Listen. 
determines the future growth and success in every area of your Christian life. How you value the word of God, your pursuit of it, your esteem of it, your receptivity to it, your assimilation of it, and your elevating it in your life is the clearest indicator of the future success in every area of your Christian life. And here's the verse that backs it up. Verse 12, for whosoever hath, hath what? Hath this understanding, has these truths, is governed by these words, more will be given him. And to the one that treats it as a small thing, I'll take away even that which he has. And there are people that are in the church today that know less, truly less, than when they first started. And they have a form of godliness and they deny the power thereof because they have slipped into a robotic religious service and God's will and his way is a more organic following, revelational, illuminational. You must be hungry for the truth of God's word. You must be receptive, responsive, protective, and a sharer of it. Just because something is available doesn't mean that you recognize it, appreciate it, or live in the fullness of it. There are people who live near the beach that never go to the beach. That is a mystery. I love me some beach up in here. A moment of silence for the beach. Hold on. Hey, don't go. I'll prove it to you. When something's available... We treat it with disdain. You go to New York City, and with all of the sin that's there, of course, some of the greatest theater in the world. New Yorkers don't go. Tourists go. They'll go see all these plays. Eh, it's, just, it's just plays. Disney World. How many of y'all been to Disney World? Disney World. And you need a vacation after your vacation. You pay $615 to go for two days. That's just your ticket. But if you live in Florida, $99 season pass. Just show a Florida ID. Have you ever tried to find a friend that looked like you on the driver's license so you could get to, you go, why is yours 50 and 60% off? I'd be glad to tell you because the people in Florida don't appreciate it. It's right there. It's no big deal. People in Florida, the beach, it's right there. People in New York, uh, it's the theater is just right there. And people in the house of God, you just preach and preach and preach. It's no big deal because it's just right there. I can turn on YouTube and watch any preacher in the world. And we are not aware of our own diminishing soul. It's just right there. It's freely given to us. And some of us have been inoculated from God. When you get your flu shot, they give you the flu. And they give you just enough of the flu so that you'll build up immunity and not catch the flu. Could it be that you have been inoculated against God? That you've got just enough God not to get him? Be careful, the Bible says, what you hear. And be careful what you see. Because if, I, if the Lord tells you something, and you don't receive it, appreciate it, assimilate it, and bring fruit from it. He said, I'll take it from you. 
As I prepare for this message, I wonder what I've lost because of my apathy. I wonder, and I'm not preaching hard at you. These types of things have to be shared. But the the other part, if you hear something in God's word and you go home, even if it's just five minutes in your journal, I heard you, Lord. Yes, my soul says yes. He says, I'll give you more. More understanding, more ability, more capacity, more provision, more power, more miraculous event, more of all of these things. The determining factor is not is God willing, it is what did you do with the last thing I gave you? Be diligent. Do you appreciate and appropriate these things? That sonship has been given to you. That you have been given not a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. If that's been given to me, I don't want to live anxious. I am not going to worry because I've not been given a spirit of fear. I have been given, thank you, a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. I've been given exceeding great and precious promises. I have been given the Holy Spirit. The earnest of God's spirit in my spirit declaring to my soul that I am indeed a child of God and no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against me shall be condemned. I am bone of God's bone, flesh of God's flesh. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I am aware of these things. But if you know it historically or academically, and it's not moved 18 inches to your heart and become your identity, God said, I'll even take away your understanding of that. You want to hear scary? I'm going to take away your even understanding of that. So are you saying I'm not saved? No, I can't determine whether you're saved or not. But all of the benefit and the privilege and the power that goes with it is removed from you because you did not appreciate and appropriate what you knew. It's better not to hear the word of God than to hear it and not receive it and cultivate it. Because if you hear it and don't receive it and cultivate it, your heart gets hard. And one place Jesus said, and he was talking about the nation of Israel, but it applies to us as well. He said, it's like a house that's been swept out and empty and clean, but then nothing was put back in it. And then that evil spirit comes back with seven other devils worse than himself and occupies this unoccupied house. How much of your life is filled with and governed by the word of God? You have been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given access to the Holy of Holies. You've been given a place to cast your burdens. Cast all your care upon God because he cares for you. Do you know why we carry our burdens? Because we have not received the word of God that says that he would carry our burdens. Jesus got some broad shoulders. And we think it noble to not use him. I know I've got you, Lord, whenever I need you, but you know me, I can do it. And in our pride, we're miserably dragging this thing through life. And you just read one little verse that says, cast all your care on me. You look up the Greek word cast and it means like a fisherman would throw a net. Just as hard as you can throw it. And I watch it fall upon those shoulders and I love him more. And I love him more. What are you carrying today that you're not supposed to be carrying? If it's a care, you're not supposed to be carrying it. So why am I carrying it? 
because we don't know what's been freely given to us of God. Be diligent. Some things that are given to you are brought about and are given to you in seed form. Some of the things you've been given, you don't even recognize them. You pray for an oak tree. God, I want an oak tree. I want a live oak. I want the moss hanging from the limbs. I want one that brings shade to the house and to the dogs and St. Augustine grass growing up under it. I want an oak tree. And from heaven drops an acorn. Don't. What's this right here? That's your oak tree. Lord, I want an oak tree. I don't want an acorn. Follow me. Lord, I want a good home. I want a good marriage. I want a good marriage. He shows you humility in the word of God. That ain't what I wanted. I wanted you to change the old man. I wanted you to change the old woman. No, humility's the path. Humility's the path. Humility's the path. Lord, I want power. I want power in my life. But you receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Oh, no, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. You know, you know, we're Baptists and Mama's Methodists, and I don't believe in that. Well, you know, and I'm not making light. I'm just telling you, everybody got their own set of hangups, and we exchange the Word of God, and we say, well, that's not me. And everywhere you say, not me or not now, that which you have is taken away from you. I remember as a new believer, when I read that about the Holy Spirit, hey, I had family members of mine that were in the Baptist church. While I'm living like hell, they're living for God. So I'm not judging them. I got another family member, Pentecostal, and I said, I don't know what to believe. I, you know, this one says this, this one says it. I got my Bible open in my floor, and it said, as many as are thirst, let him come. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And this promise is unto you and to your children and to your children's children. And all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God shall call, been brand new saved less than two weeks. I said, that's me. Children can understand. That's me. And I said, Lord, I don't know if he's right or she's right. But I want this in my life. God baptized me in the Holy Spirit by myself in my apartment. Never doubted it. I've had people try to talk me out of it. And experience wins over argument every time. (laughs) Every time. All these exceeding great and precious promises that have been given to you. Many of them come in seed form, though. You want a career God gives you a desire. You want something to be done for you. God gives you opportunity to do something for someone else. I talk to young pastors, young ministers all the time that feel God's hand on their life. And I always tell them the same thing. And this look of disappointment flushes them. It's like we meet, we go to lunch and about an hour and a half later, I'm thinking, God, I hope I didn't kill it. I hope I didn't kill it because they're talking to me about God's giving me this burden and I had two dreams and a vision and I'm going to be on the stage. And I said, tell me about your study life. Huh? Oh, I read. I got this. I didn't ask you about the books you're reading. Tell me about your study life. And by the time we're done, I talk to them about cultivating the man, preparing the man. You can't give what you don't have. And I teach that. Then I talk about pride and arrogance and, you know, they disguised as confidence and there's no humility You want to be a man of God, you have to be a man of God, in God, by God. And some of you are frustrated today because you believe you've heard from the Lord and you've got a promise, but it's come in acorn form. And you got to work it, baby. These businessmen, you look at them and they own their own business. They uh, have their own company. They have properties. They have assets. And people look on the outside. It's amazing to me how 
ignorant we can be. It must be nice. Start you a business. It's nice. Start you one. Sign your name to a couple million dollars. Go on, it's fun. Do it. Go ahead. Yeah. Have employees like you. It's real fun. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Must be nice. Well, there's nice parts about it. But God doesn't do magic like to, to make you well. And God doesn't give success. He gives you the power to obtain wealth. He gives you capacity. I just believe the Lord's going to use me. And I ain't going to school. I believe the Lord can just drop it into me. You're like, mm-hmm. God doesn't reward lazy. God doesn't use lazy. And I can tell your tomorrow by how you're preparing today. I always want to talk about preparation because God gives acorns. And what you do with that acorn determines what type of trees are going to grow in your life. Some things are freely given but are costly to maintain. Some things that God gives you must be fought for. Matthew eleven twelve says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Do you fight for what you believe God's granted you? Papa, do you fight for your home? Mama, do you fight for your children in prayer? Do you take the visions and dreams that God's given you for your babies and do you stand in the presence of God in the secret place and say to to God and to the enemy listening, they cannot have my children. They cannot have my husband. These were freely given to me by God. And I stand on the promises of God's word and God's power. Sin shall not have dominion over my daughter. My son will come home, and it's almost like, if you don't mind me saying it this way, you turn from God, and if the devil's anywhere near, so you want to fight? you got to fight on your hands. I'm not saying I'm all that, but you think you're going to come in here and take my children. I have a sword called the Word of God, and see that? He don't like that. He's not scared of me. John Wood doesn't scare him at all. But I said, thus saith the Lord. Oh, 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 oh. Let me do this one too. Jesus, at the mention of his name, demons tremble. Just the mention. Oh, and inside of me, greater is he that's in me than anything that's in the world. That fight spirit, you're not having it. You're not having my home, my children, the things God's planned for me, these truths. I may have stumbled. This isn't an issue of just my performance. This is an issue of my position. And I know too much. Oh, if you can ever get that in your heart. I know too much to be punked out by the devil. I know too much. You done gone too far. You can't go too far. Thief on the cross. Just two little words. Remember me. Done. I know too much. You've got to be diligent and fight for the things God's given you. You don't fight to get them always. But sometimes you have to fight to keep them. And some things are spiritually known before they're physically manifested. This home my wife and I moved into was given to us by God. I got to make the payments. He just, he hadn't dropped me no checks out in the mail lately. Or out of heaven, just made out, you know, bank of heaven. It just don't happen. You know what he gives me? Opportunity to earn. But this was freely given to me by God. This this house was. He He gave it. I walked into it. And he gave it. But sometimes you know 
in your spirit before they're manifested. You heard me tell the story the other day. I'm just driving on my way to work and out loud I said, we're moving. That was in the same way he gives you knowledge about his word. He tells you about things to come. The Holy Spirit that searches all things reveals things to come to you. I know women that, tell, that have come to my office and said, is this weird? I, I had a dream last night that I'm going to be pregnant. Pastor, I'm going to be, I know. I'm, so no, that's not weird. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And before long, they're pregnant. Don't despise that thing God told you, no matter how far-fetched it seems, because if God spoke it, it will surely come to pass. Some things planned for you are waiting on you and may never be obtained. Some things God has planned for you are waiting on you and you're in danger of never obtaining it because of stuff you've left undone. Any of you took piano as a kid? Your parent, parent made you do it? And you did it for like a year, six months, and you threw enough fits and, you know, you got sick every day and mama didn't know that you were eating bologna and whipped cream right before the piano lesson so you wouldn't have to take it. And now you go to piano, you're in your 30s, and you, you know, you know just enough to... What you had was taken from you. It's lost over time. I took French in high school, two quarters, made two Ds. <laughs> Had to take it. It's crazy. At Central High School, they made you take a foreign language but didn't give you air conditioning. I didn't understand it. <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning. No, we didn't have air conditioning. You try to do that to a kid today, you'd have a revolt. We didn't have Coke, Diet Coke, chocolate milk. We had white milk. Shut your mouth, drink your milk. You had milk. I can't tell you any of that French. I took the classes, but because I did not assimilate it. It was taken from me. I'm not a runner. My wife is a runner and I hear her and other runners talk and I feel like it's like us guys when girls are talking girl stuff and you're sitting on the outside and you don't know what they're talking about and her and runners are talking about yeah and then I get this runner's high and I'm like a, run a what? A runner's what? Oh yeah and you, you hit through the wall. I, say, I know what the wall is now. I, I've, been, I've seen the wall. And they talk about the high, and then you just press through. And then they all say the same thing. But you can stop for two or three weeks. Y'all help me, runners. And when you go back, what? Starting over. And I look at her and go, that's depressing. <laughs> if I'm going to take up running, it's, it's got to stay with me. Even if I take a little sabbatical for a year or two, it's got to stay <laughs> with me. They said, no, it's almost like it's just taken from you. First the natural, then the spiritual. Do you see it? You can't disdain the word of God and not lose the edge, the power, the impetus, the comfort, the wooing, the energizing, the building up to him that hath more is given. Life is always a process of gaining more or losing more. Your spiritual life right now, you're either gaining more or losing more. Jesus laid down the truth that the nearer men and women live to him, the nearer to the Christian ideal they will grow. And the more they drift away from Christ, the less they are able to aspire to goodness. For weakness, like strength, is an increasing thing. Listen, weakness, just like strength, is an increasing thing. Be careful. The Bible said the people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. 
and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and they be converted, and I heal them. Be careful of hard hearts. You can't let your heart get hard. I know, I know, what, they, I know what they did. I know what they said. I know how they walked out. I know how the preacher failed you. I know how the spouse failed you. I know how the child was ungrateful and the boss didn't keep his word. And all of life, you're waiting for life to be fair and life's not fair. And you can't control that, but you can control your heart. Hard-heartedness destroys the work of God in your life. I would rather be tender and taken advantage of than hard and stoic. Be careful of hard hearts, of dull ears. Dull ears happen because of hearing damage. Maybe what you've listened to and how loud you've listened to it has damaged, damaged your spiritual ears. Blockage, background noise. Sometimes I got to get alone to hear. You got to unplug from the world. You got to unplug sometimes from your family and get alone so you can tune in to God's frequency. On a digital dial, we don't listen to radio anymore, but if God's on 99.1 and you're on 99.3, you can't hear him. It's not an issue of close. It's an issue of dialing in and being in the spirit so you can hear from God. Be careful of, of hard hearts and dull ears and closed eyes. You can't close your eyes because of pain, of loss, of woundedness, bitterness, selfishness or fear. I have to see life as it comes. I have to face my responsibilities. I have to face my failures. I can't live life with my head in the sand. I've got to be able to see not just life, but God. I've got to be able not just to feel, but to feel God. I've got to be able to hear, but not just hear, but to hear God. Be careful of atrophied understanding by laziness, procrastination, environment, or neglect. And be careful of falling short of continued transformation and wholeness. God said, but if these things worked, you'd be converted. You'd be changed. And I'd heal you. When you are surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Word of God governs your life, you enter into healings that you don't even ask for. Every time I'm converted, and we think converted means being from an unbeliever to a Christian, and it does, but that's not just it. It's a change of mind. An unbeliever to a believer. Watch. Fearful to not fearful. Weak to strong. Shy to, to bold. You know, uh, reserved to open. And I know she won't mind me sharing this. and It wasn't in my notes. But one of the greatest transformations that I've ever watched as a Christian is my friend, Leanne Nichols. Dan, you remember when she first started, we, we had her, she was on part of the worship team and uh, we asked her to lead a couple times. And one time on the stage, there was three or four people there. Y'all remember this? And Leanne was two or three steps back from everybody else on the team. And I talked to her and I said, uh, well, on Sunday, why were, you, why were you back there? She said, well, I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to lead. And I said, but you are leading. Very perfection-oriented. Very, uh, it produced an anguish on her. Now, if you come in on a Sunday morning now, I'm not talking about one being better or not. One of the freest people in our church to be herself is Leanne Nichols. That didn't come because she knelt down and said, Oh, God, make me 
a free expressive person. I remember years ago when she made the statement over many weeks, I am placing the word of God as the paramount thing in my life. It is the final authority. It's the first thing I look to and I'm going to esteem it more than riches and I will not set worthless things before my eyes. It is it. And the her that was her came out, out of the perfectionism into it does matter what you think, but it doesn't because I love the Lord and that freedom came. She was healed without even asking for the healing. What is it in you that God wants to do through the receptivity of his word? He said, because if you convert, if you change your mind about my word, I'll heal you. That's for somebody in this room. I'll bring healing about for you. If our musician would come, please. Beware of your blessedness. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, and hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. My brother, Andre Collins, who recently started as a maintenance person here at the church. Good brother, I can't wait for y'all to get to know him. He's got a church home in Warner Robins that he loves, he's a part of. But he come in my office and he goes, Pastor, could I speak to you just a minute? And I said, sure. And he said, I, I know I, I, do, I work for you here, but I'm not here as an employee. I said, okay, he goes, I'm here as a brother. I was praying for you yesterday and the Lord told me to tell you, blessed are your eyes for you see. And blessed are your ears, because you hear. And he looked at me and said, And pastor, other people have longed to see what you see and hear what you hear and know what you know, and they've never seen it. They've never heard it, and they don't know it. And my spirit man just, I don't want to say leapt. It was just, it just opened up, and it just poured in on me. I went, it was like a of a revelation. And I've got more notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to finish here. I, I do see. I see the difference between temporal and eternal. I see the difference between bubble wrap and the real present. I see the difference in giving and receiving. I see the difference in earth and heaven. I hear whispers of Zion. I hear songs in the night. I hear sometimes in my spirit the rustling of angel wings in my room. I see the handiwork of God in my babies. Everywhere it's like we become alive and I'm blessed. I'm not blessed because I live in a newer house. I mean, that's, that's a blessing. But that house is going to get old. Had plumbing problems yesterday. That, that's not the blessing. Got a newer car. Well, it's going to get, it's depreciating every day. It's falling apart. You know what my blessing is? I have eyes to see. I have eyes to see that I'm blessed and ears to hear. So pastor, what are you telling us this morning? I'm telling you to go home and check your sight and check your hearing. I'm asking you as your pastor, go home and ask the Lord, how is it with my eyes? There are species of bats on the other side of the globe, especially, that have no eyes at all. 
They're gone. They've lived in darkness so long that the unneeded thing vanished. And I hear the Lord giving us a corrective, out of love, warning. Be careful that you don't lose the very thing that you've had all your life because you didn't appreciate it. Last thoughts. As Jesus walked through one of the towns, a blind man cried out to him that he might heal his eyes. And Jesus spat in the ground and made spit and put it on his eyes, made mud, and he brushed it off and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men like trees. They're, they're tall, they're like walking trees. And Jesus put his hands on him again. He said, now how do you see? He goes, I see everything right. There are people in this room you see, but you don't see good. And I believe God's going to rescue us this morning. And he's going to put his hands on our eyes. Now be, be, be aware of what's going to happen. When you get your eyesight back for the first time, you're going to realize, oh, I was letting stuff go I shouldn't have let go. There's stuff in my home I shouldn't let in my home. Oh, oh, and you hear stuff that other people can't hear. You go, no, we can't do, we can't do. You're going to make changes. And then when you do, more will be given and your eyes will get clearer and clearer and clearer. Blessed are you because you're seeing things today that your grandparents longed to see and never got a chance to see it. I'm not sure who this is for this morning, but you know who you are. And I just invite you to stand where you are, just where you are. It's, it's like a, an assault to your pride, but Lord, it's, John don't need to know what it is, but it, it's me. Talking about our sight, our spiritual sight, and our hearing. If that's you, just stand where you are. Everybody just bow your head in the sanctuary. Just dialogue with the Lord, would you? We give you time to do it right now. Just dialogue with him. Would the rest of you stand with us? Leanne, would you make your way up here? I want you to pray for us in just a moment. Right before she prays, I want you to look to me. I, I, I have to tell you this. One of the greatest gifts God gives you with sight is you see your own depravity. Not self-deprecating, God doesn't want us beating ourselves up. But when you see yourself clearly, don't be surprised if other people who don't see tell you you're fine. You say, no, I'm not fine. I used to be more prayerful. I used to be more joyful. I used to be more, I'm not fine. I see it. Blessed are you when not only can you see God the way he is, but you can see you 
the way you are. Because that sight brings humility. And humility brings confession. And confession brings healing and change. Leanne, would you pray over us, sis? Father, we love you. And we are thankful today for your truth that does bring sight. Thank you for loving us enough to not leave us where we are, to not allow us to continue to walk away, to continue in blindness, to continue um, in unpreparedness. Um, But Father, instead, you challenge us, you move us, you bring your truth before us, you present it and you give us life and the power to move forward with it. And I am one today who stood and said, Father, I have not been fully diligent with what you have given me. You have given me knowledge and understanding of things and I have not been faithful. And I pray and may others, Lord, of us continue to seek you day in and day out, to be ready, prepared to have the capacity to receive from you, Father, to open ourselves up to all that you have, to surrender ourselves before you. And Lord, when we receive from you to be diligent and faithful what we've been given, Lord, I want to be fruitful. This church, we desire to be fruitful for you, to see your kingdom work come from this place and come from our individual lives and our families. Lord, cause us to be fighters for what you have given to us. I fight today, Lord, for a new mind. For the new mind that you have given to me, I fight to keep it, to not be unfaithful with what you have given me. Lord, for many other here today, they know what they're fighting for, Lord. Give us the fight to push through. It is not of our own strength, but it is of you. And we thank you today, Lord, that you've challenged us, that you've given us your truth. Lord, may we be faithful to you as you are faithful to us. We love you, Father, today. Bless all who are here, Lord. And may we go out into our homes and our communities, Lord, and live for you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless.